Now, you're listening to the God Chasers Podcast, hosted by the homie Brinson. You God chasing or not? We chase God. We chase God. We chase God. You know what it is when you see us coming. Force in the darkness, they be running. Pray it up, ain't no games, we own something. I chase God. We chase God. I chase God. We chase God. But what? We chase God. I chase God. We chase God. But what? I chase God. I chase God. We chase God. But what? I chase God. I chase God. You go chasing on that episode one fifty four. You are now in tune to the freshest thirty minutes in podcast land. The God chases podcast, talking all things Christian hip hop, playing the hottest music, and encouraging those who have a heart for ministry in ministry. Entrepreneurs, kingdom preneurs. This podcast is for you. Go to iambrinson.com and stay up to date with everything God chases entertainment. And you can get a copy of my book, Ten Things Every Christian Hip Hop Artist Should Know. You could also get that on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, and you can pick up merch and you can pick up CDs, all that good stuff. Make sure you follow me on social media. God chases on Instagram and I am Brinson, one word, on Twitter. And if this episode blessed you, go to iTunes, leave a five star rating and, very important, a comment. And I want to give a shout out to all my people in Tampa, Chicago, Los Angeles, Oklahoma City, Wichita, Houston, Denver, Toledo, Long Beach, Portland, Washington, Milwaukee, Honolulu, Virginia Beach, Jacksonville, Florida, Duval County, what up, and all my friends abroad in Japan, India, Canada, Jordan, Singapore, Indonesia, the UK, New Zealand, Ghana, Mexico, Canada, thank you so much for tuning in. We have an outstanding show for you this week in Christian Hip Hop News. Norman Michael, super sensational producer and singer, just dropped his new song, 1X, featuring Aaron Deuce. And for all you Christian Hip Hop historians, there is some chatter going around that the legendary duo, Core Red and Precise, is working on new music. And New York crew, the Royal Order, is working on new music. So listen, entrepreneurs, strap in. I don't have much to say because I have an interview. And it runs over the 30-minute time mark, but it will be sure to bless you. I want to give a special, special, special shout-out to all the people who are powering the God Chasers podcast via patreon if you would like to become a patron with the god chasers podcast go to patreon.com backslash god chasers you will get more 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 than the average person because when new things come out you will know first and you will get it first so thank you to all our patrons and to the new people who becoming patrons so sit tight Shout out to our Face Pro sponsor. Get ready for an interview that is going to bless you and the community of Christian hip hop. This your man Brinson. You got chasing a now. Allow me to reintroduce my, myself. This is God Chasers Entertainment. God Chasers Entertainment. Bring that heat. Whoa! The heat just keeps coming. That's gospel mix too. Feel that right there, right there. Let's go. You just a hater. What's with you? You've been drinking some of that hater, eh? Hater, hater, hater. 
What's happening? Calling all beard gang. What? If you what? got a beard, that uh -huh. means you got some awesomeness growing out of your face. Yes. I want yes. you to know there is a new clothing line and products coming to you okay. from the good okay. people at Face Fro. That's right, you heard me. That means you have a fro on your face. Yes. It ain't beard gang anymore because it's 2020. That means you got a face fro. I want you to go to www.facefro.us. Again, that's www.facefro.us. Take a look at all the products there and keep your eye out for new products coming. And you can use the code Brinson to get 10% off of your order. You can thank me later. Bearded Men Unite, facefro.us. You're listening to the freshest 30 minutes in podcast land. The God Chasers Podcast, hosted by Brinson. You chasing God or no? Yeah, yeah, we back. You tuned in to the freshest 30 minutes in podcast land. The God Chasers Podcast in over 100 countries this week. My guest is not only a filmmaker, a director, not only a director, but a man of God. Not only that, he has done a groundbreaking feat with this new movie that he is putting out. The world is going to be blessed. The Christian hip hop community is going to be blessed. And this week, you are going to be blessed by this interview. My guest this week, the maker of the new film, Mike Drop, Darius West. What's up, brother? How you feeling? What's up, man? Man, I'm feeling really, really good. I'm excited to be here, excited and thankful that you reached out to us. And, and man, let's let's talk. I was on the Zoom call that you had a ton of legends. And, and before, before I go into the questions about it, Mike yeah. Drop is, I'm going to paraphrase it for our listeners, it is a documentary on the beginning, the ground roots of what we know today as Christian hip hop with people like myself has benefited from traveling around the world doing this Christian hip hop music. And this film highlights some of the forerunners, the, the godfathers, the guys who started it all. And you have placed it into a film format. Like I'm reminded of movies like crush grooving in stuff like that. <laughs> and and yeah. now this generation gets to see who came before the NFs, the Lecrae's, the cross movements. Why did you make this movie? I, I believe I, I, there were plenty of attempts over the you know number of years to bring something like this together. And the reason why I did it is because a good friend of mine, you know, Michael Anthony Taylor, I've known him for a better part of 30 years. And both him and I have been involved in the music industry at, uh, greatest sense of times um so back then beginnings of it of pushing hip-hop i was you know at, at that time 16 15 16 years old 17 as a choreographer and you know and eventually went on the tour with carmen and kirk franklin and and tony of course now it's made east late so uh back then when i was 15 16 i got involved with christian hip-hop or christian rap back then it was called christian rap and I had seen uh, groups that we connected with was SSC and Idol King and, and ETW and DOC. And we all had the same manager. His name was Rosemary Jordan. We can actually do a documentary just on our life mm. and her experience in, in uh industry. So it was like in 1993, Star Song had did a video, uh, compilation video with highlighted Michael Peace and Stephen Wiley, uh, 
you know, uh, VOC and a few other artists involved. And I was one of the dancers behind VOC for that, you know, for that uh, video compilation. And we have a little bit of push that in the film as well. But I was like right there in the midst. So I... In 2015, uh, Michael Anthony Taylor reached out to me because he knew I was in film school. He knew I moved to L.A. for that reason. And says, hey, we have this idea. We want to do a documentary about Christian hip-hop. And I was like, you know, in 2014, 15, 16, documentaries wasn't really big as right. they are now. You know, people mm-hmm. just love documentaries now, you know. Yep. That's all people watch. So, so it was like, oh, okay, cool. And, and so the more and more we got in, involved in the process, the more and more... Uh, the nostalgic uh, vibe came back to me like, man, I remember a lot of these guys. I, you know, I had the SFC missing up. I had the, the PIB, here we are, you know, back to back. I had, I, I, you know, I had all these tapes, cassette tapes, not CD, cassette tapes back in the day that we just like ran into the ground. And so it became more of a passion uh, more than just a film, one of the things that I know be, by being in the film industry and being in film school and, uh, you know, being around people in the industry is that I knew that 75% of most films independently uh, had a hard time getting distribution. Mm. And so one of the things, you know, so like your normal person that the process is, the normal process is this, uh, you know, you may do a Kickstarter or you may get some investors to invest into your film. Then, then you make the film. Then the next phase is, okay, now I need to put it into film festivals so I can have distributors check out my content right. and what I did. Then, then, then you look for a distribution deal. And so that's a whole nother process financially and everything. So it's a lot that goes into that process. So one of the things that we wanted to do was like, before we film, before we get into the process of actually you know, uh, turning the camera on and, you know, getting the sound recording, everything and getting the equipment, let's get distribution. Mm. So once we have, if we have distribution, then everything else we can do. And right. And we're not worried about trying to get it. So that's what we did. Wow. We secured distribution. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just, just so we can be clear, let's repeat that part. <laughs> you got distribution from Warner Brothers. Is that right? We, we do have distribution with Warner Music Group. It's a subsidiary of Warner Brothers. They're all music group, Warner, and came all that. So we got distribution secured with Warner Music Group and before the camera turned on. And so, and that was important for me because I didn't want to be that, be like everyone else and say, well, I have a film. Can you, can you watch it? Can you give me, give me some kind of deal? And so we secured that at the, at the beginning so that we can actually begin. Wow, and that was really yeah, and so that's a process within itself. One thing you know, that one thing that did. stuck out to me that you said was you did stuff with Carmen. Now, for those who don't know, like I mean, Carmen was the I I don't want to say Christian Vanilla Ice because he was more than that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, Carmen was like everywhere like you couldn't you couldn't go into a um christian bookstore without carmen ruling the entire store music wise and just that that's mind-blowing to hear you say that and i mean how how did that happen wow that's that's a documentary within itself uh let me go back (laughs) <laughs> uh, you weren't ready for that one. You weren't ready for that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Let me go back. 
Okay, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. So, you know, I, I still have, may have some Southern uh, accent to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I love my hometown. I love North Carolina. My people are down back there. Um, so I grew up in North Carolina. And as a teenager, I was 13. But even, uh, today, I'm, 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 I have a great relationship with my dad. But back then, it was a court case. And, you know, a lot of things are going on. So I was going through a lot. So it was during that time that my mom, she was a single uh, mother of two boys, and uh, great mom, and I love her. Happy Mother's Day again, mom. And we would work with her during the weeknights at a, uh, you know, office buildings and clean up office buildings. During the day, she worked at the Federal Reserve at night. We did clean up, help clean up office buildings. And it was one day she gave me this tape. It was a cassette tape. Mm-hmm. We talked about in the mid-80s. This is like the mid-80s. Um, and it was Carmen. I'm like, who's this white dude? You know what I mean? <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, you know. I, I grew up, you know, we in the hood. You know, everybody plays right. Eric B. Rock. That's right. LL Cool J. You know that kind of stuff. You know, so it's like what? You know, so I popped it in my. You know, I'm thinking about Walkman with the, you know, with the, with the headphones. Yeah. You know, stick out on, on top of your ears. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, and I'm just like vacuuming and helping clean up, and it just it changed me, bro. It it, it really. That music was very therapeutic for me, you know, songs like Lazarus and Champion, you know, Witch's Invitation, just, you know, just going back. And I remember I would tell my brother, you know, when we was living in Charlotte and, and, I, and I was blasting on the, you know, the ghetto blaster and stuff, I used to tell my brother, I'm going to know this guy one day. He said, man, you crazy. You know, mm. <laughs> you know, I just had this, this childlike faith that like, man, long story short, you know, two or three years later, we moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. My mom had a, had a desire to go to Oral Roberts University, so she packs, you know, these two boys up with her, and we drive to Oklahoma, and uh, we end up going to the same church that Carmen goes to, which wow. is at the time Higher Dimensions, Evangelist Center. So, you know, I immediately began to get involved in youth ministry, and, and uh, eventually, like, maybe 16, like 15, 16, that's when we started the Christian Rap Group, and it was a Christmas program we did, and we was rapping, myself and Morris Jackson and so after the the program Carmen walks up to me and said hey man I whoa I love you know I love what you do I, you know you have a gift you know what I'm saying but he didn't he didn't he only approached me he, he didn't approach Morris so I guess I was a better dancer <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but I love Morris man we have, we've reconnected since then and so you know so in short come and pick me up from school I was 11th grade by the time uh, you know, after school, sometimes on the weekend, we hang out, eat pizza. He had and he had a dance floor built into his his a living room, to where I would come over and teach him how to do moves like carriage pass, any move. Wait, wait, wait just wait, 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 stop, <laughs> stop, wait, wait. Do you mean to tell me that we're talking to the guy who taught taught him how to dance at his house? Sixteen years old, crazy, right? That's mind blowing, bro. Like Carmen. And Carmen. Okay. The you know, life, life and later. death. Life and death is in the power of the life tongue. Wow. I teach my, my children, man. So, so I'm 16 years old. Jesus got a dance, and you know, then Christian rap song called Resurrection Rap. So all the, all of the youth that are part of our church at Higher Dimensions, we're in this music video. I can if I watch that video now, I'm like, oh, that's 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 the person that's Juan, that's so and so, that's my brother, man. Well, <laughs> we're all these young people from the same church in this, you know, Christian rap video called Resurrection Rap, and 
And because I was, you know, close to Carmen, he said, hey, I, I want I want to do something special with, with you in the video. And so at the end of the, the video, he says, I want to I want to end the video with me walking past you while you dance and I'm slap your hand. And I said, okay, cool. So if you go back and watch the Resurrection Rap video, that's me at the end with Gumby. Carmen comes by and like slaps me. After this interview, after this interview, I'm going to watch this video because I have to see that. Well, let, let's yeah, yeah, let's let's go back yeah. to mic drop because I know we get we only yeah. got a limited time oh, yeah. for you. And so, one question I had personally, like, where are you now with since you have deep roots in Christian hip hop? Where are you now with it today? Like, who are you keeping up with today, or do you even keep up with it today? Yeah, I honestly don't keep up with it uh, today as much as a lot of people may think because a lot of my influences have been and always been, you know, Stephen Wiley, Peace, uh, SFC, PID, yes. Idol King, Freaking the Soul Down. <laughs> a lot. Yep. So I'm, 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 I'm that old school guy because I believe uh, the, the foundation of this, you know, and, you, and people will see in the documentary that. They, they did it because they felt called to do it. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about getting a record deal because they felt like, you know, we, we have a ministry to reach our young people. And so I'm all about ministry with just the young people. Of course, I know about, you know, a lot of these groups, uh, Cross Movement came in after uh, it happened, Turner Racks and all these guys. So I know about those groups. I've uh, you know, listened to their music. I have people, you know, sending me stuff. And, but in terms of this documentary, and my whole focus has been on these guys that started it because I really wanted to make the message very clear. Absolutely. And and shout out to Mike Peace, who's a great man, met him many times at the Kingdom Choice Awards. Shout out to Stephen yes. Wiley, the very first Christian rapper Wiley. I ever heard. Period. Yeah, me too. Period. I use his tracks and rap to him. <laughs> man dude i i know bible break hands down forwards and backwards my mom used to send me to churches and rap bible break that's how wow uh, yeah <laughs> like that's how it was so i have a question from one of our listeners uh eve dezella she's she wants to know what are your thoughts on why were the uh christian hip-hop artists in the 80s in the 90s have less success than their Muslim counterparts like Poor Righteous Teachers and Brand Nubian. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think uh, just hip-hop in general, and in addition to Christian hip-hop, is that it was brand new, and the the church wasn't ready. Yeah. Uh, Red said it very well. He said the church wasn't ready for Christian hip-hop. They wasn't ready for hip-hop in general. So their concept or idea of negative perspective you yeah, know, it was uh, negative. It was and, really negative. Yeah, it was negative. It's the devil's music. You know, don't bring that stuff in here. And so, what what happened was the reason why uh, DC Talk had so much success with what they did is because they were played to more of a commercial type audience that was more acceptable, which was predominantly white. Mm -hmm. And so, and when you deal with hip hop in general, you deal with more of an urban type of feel you know right. you're dealing with more of an urban appeal and you know you, you're dealing with the street you're dealing with people with the street you know constant mindset and things like that so what happened you know what i believe what happened the moment that dc talk went from doing heaven bound and things like that to uh jesus street when they began to be uh eventually became alternative rock the concept and the idea of christian rap kind of fell off mm. and nobody really is because DC Talk was it, you know, and so they were setting the standard in terms of 
of the con contemporary Christian music industry saw as Christian rap. So, um, so once they made that transition, then there was a bridge that was no longer there was a bridge that was no longer there, or there was no connection to, you know, how it can be influential and successful in this realm. That's why you know, big ups to people, uh, groups like Cross Movement and Reach Records who took up the cross and took up that and. Uh, created opportunity more and more. So now with my drop, what we're doing, we're, we're creating that bridge between, you know, that that uh, generation and the generation before them. And because that bridge pretty much collapsed when DC Talk made that transition. Right, right. And, and in retrospect, do you think Christian rap at the time was more artistic or evangelistic when they were doing their things in the 80s and 90s? Yeah, I think it was a combination of both. Uh, um, one, specifically uh, evangelistic, because you think about the 80s, televangelists, mm -hmm. you know, evangelism was a real big thing. It was very important. You know, TVN was coming up. Everything was about evangelism. So Christian rap at the time was very uh, driven by the point of we need to evangelize specifically to urban young people, urban mm -hmm. youth, black, brown, and people who are, are, are considered less fortunate. And so there was the appeal, the production side, and also them being uh, experimental in the way they can uh, bring it, you know, uh, like, you know, people in groups like PID and SSC who were able to address some social justice issues. Even Michael Peace, you know, talked about crack, you know, yeah. talked about stuff like that, gangs, and, you know, Steve wanted to talk about gangs. So, you know, it was a mess between the two, but you also had to be careful because it's like, uh, do we want to be difficult? And, I'm, and that's why I think, you know, groups like Gospel Gangsters who they would do songs like, uh, you know, um, or SSE who they do songs called uh, Kill the Spirit. Yep. Uh, and so that was kind of like, yo, we can talk about this? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they kind of, that's why Soup is, is such a large entity in the, the story of Christian hip hop because for us, he was like Dr. Drake. You know, he was like, guy you know what i'm saying soup the he chemist like, for those who, who don't know chemist. soup the chemist yeah, yep. soup the chemist, yeah. look him up soup c what we call, call it back in the day but soup the chemist he was like dr dre to us you know and so he kind of set the standard about that really helped us you know uh be who we were even as believers mm. wow and I, I got another question for you. So in the 90s there was groups like fourth avenue jones unity clan a1 Swift that included yeah. both men and women. Why do you think yes. the popularity of those type of groups have fallen off? That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's hard enough in the music industry, Christian music industry, to have a, you know, female and male group anyway. Mm -hmm. Not really, you know, Angela and Veronica was back then in the 90s. Uh, you know, BB and CC Winans, they were probably the most successful mm -hmm. at that. Uh, but like groups like A1 Swift, Unity Clan, all of those those groups are uh, off their tapes and CDs and listen to their music as well. I just think in the Christian music industry in general, just music industry in general, uh, women are not as praised or as seen as artistic as men for whatever reason. You know, it, it's almost like a misogynist type of mindset when it comes to sometimes in ministry altogether and I think um, you know if you think if you even the mainstream hip-hop you say hip-hop history no one would ever mention 
you know, Queen Latifah or MC Light, you know, even though they can rap probably as good as some of these other guys. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's, it's, it's just a mindset. That's the only way I can answer it. I don't know, you know, the real answer to it, but from my perspective and what I see it, I think it's just more of how people perceive it as opposed to uh, it being a guy or a guy's group. Shifting gears on one one aspect of it. Since you did mic drop, do you think people see Christian rap as a young man's game when other genres of music like rock, jazz, and R&B have zero age limit? Like I, I tell my friends all the time, if you, the Beach Boys are still on tour, but yeah. Christian rap. You know, I mean, I heard Stephen Wiley on the call and he said he still, you know, go sometimes. But do you think people see it as a young man's game? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, and you see that even the main mainstream industry, but I think in the mainstream industry, they've been able to pivot and do more uh, to honor the, the forefathers and people who came before them. Uh, and I and what you know, this is something I told. Carmen back in the day because you need to start building your uh, your empire now to, to bring in other people because one day you're not going to be on top anymore so you have to create yourself you know like even like a Jay-Z and these guys are doing a Diddy they know they're gonna be, not going to be on top anymore but they're building up their brand or building up so they can even though they may not be doing music and so I think that that same outline um, has to be addressed when it comes to hip hop uh, because you won't be relevant in the next five or ten years. So what can you do now to even stay relevant in the industry? What can you build? What can you establish so that you can um, um, help others come after you and that you still remain relevant? So um, it's it's a young man's game, but, but knowing that it's a young man's game, you have to plan for the future to remain relevant to help other young men and women come up in the same genre. Wow. Do you think we we as a genre has failed honoring the the pioneers? Now shout out to oh, yeah. to to Kingdom Choice Awards and shout out to um yeah. Holy Hip Hop Awards who haven't done anything for years because they closed down but the Kingdom Choice Awards have but I I but do you see it now but you said absolutely we failed to do it. Yes. Uh, it, we've honored, I think we've honored in terms of, like you said, those awards, those awards shows, but the the best honor a lot of times is actually putting them on your album, you know? Really? Yeah, having them, yeah because it, what does Snoop do? You know, Snoop Black brought back George Clinton, they, you know, uh, you know uh, Charlie Wilson, you know, all these guys that people in that generation, this generation wouldn't know about to say, hey, let's do an album or let's do a song together. Because then now what is Charlie Wilson doing? He's touring by himself. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, this would never happen if uh, unless someone who was relevant would have went back and say, let's, let's do a song together. Because then people are like, man, who is that? Oh, let me go check out this stuff. Then they become more relevant and they can, you know, uh, continue to provide for themselves and for their family. So the awards are great. But you know the accolade great, but but the reality is when you go back home, you still have to live your life. And I think if if you if you you know a lot of these guys still feel they're called to do this thing. Dynamic Twins stuff like, hey man, we still we still called to do this thing. We may not be doing as much as we're doing now, but we're still called to do it. So if I can give you a award, but it's better for me to award you or reward you with the opportunity to, to speak and use your voice. Wow. 
Wow, 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 wow. What? Since you made this movie, and we, we know I'm, I'm working on the album now, and it's always that thing of you, when you know you're done, you're done, and sometimes you never was done, but you had to finish it. Was there anything that you wanted to convey on this movie that you know you you had to cut out or it just didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen? Uh, in terms of the concept of the film, no. But in terms of having uh, certain artists in the film, yes. Who who did you uh, want? Well, there's... Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess the question is, who did you have that you couldn't use? Because <laughs> <laughs> I have a drive full of uh, interviews that we just can't use because the people didn't want to sign off the, on the release. So uh-huh. that's neither here or there. T-Bone, KJ52, mm. uh, you know, a few other artists that just, you know, for whatever reason, didn't want to do it. Well, I know the reason, but I just don't say it. Right. Uh, you know, and so it's just... But then when something like this happens and people see the trailer and it, it, it's becoming explosive, then some of those same guys are like using that momentum to, you know, you know come back to the forefront. But it's, it's, it's all good. But I think uh, in order for us to tr- really have unity, there needs to be that, that common conversation. Like, hey, man, you know, we appreciate what you're doing. What can we do to help? And how can I, because you know, what, what we told, uh, what we spoke to all these guys, Stephen Wiley, we're doing here. Is creating the opportunity for you guys to shine, so you can, you know, so you can do your thing, right? Instead of instead of there being like five or six different documentaries happening at one time, and everybody doing their own individual story, let's do one big. And so that's what unity is. And so I think when we reached out to several artists who said, "Oh no, we're not going, we're not going to do it. We're going to do our own thing." I said, okay, that's cool, but I'm just letting you know that if you do this thing, it's going to provide the opportunity to do your, do your own thing. But people don't, when they don't get the vision, they don't really see it. It becomes about them as opposed to the story is all about, then, you know, people lose perspective. So that's why for me, in terms of the film itself, the content and the story, everything is great. We love that. But I think the regret is not seeing people that we reached out to who didn't want to because we're on the production schedule, so we're not gonna wait for you a year to get back to us. It. Like, okay, we got to keep going, right? And so, so you know, because there are these people. Well, what about this group? How come they want it? Well, I believe that everyone that's in this documentary, God wanted them to be in this documentary mm. because the the process that we we've been going through over the last four and a half years is could be a documentary within itself. The you know the the, the days we had to stop production, the the times we had to change and it, it's just. So much stuff. You know, we shot a concert in Dallas. I'm going to address this. We shot a concert in Dallas, highlighting three uh, Christian hip hop artists, millennials, who are you know very relevant on social media. Adrian Butler, Shy Speaks, and Street Hymns. Shout out to Street Hymns. Shout out to Street Hymns. Shout out to Shy Speaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The homie. Them the homies. Yeah. And so that right, uh, we had to stop. This was a film that that concert like I believe it was like in July or something and, and the production got stopped because of some investors so I had to send out an email to all the crew the people is like sorry we'll let you know <laughs> and and me like I don't know what's gonna happen but my hand is on it so you know two months later I'd be back on schedule and shooting these are the kind of things we had to endure but 
you know, it was it was prevalent for me or important for me to to tell to show what Christian hip hop is today from this uh, from this millennial uh, concept. Some individuals who are not signed. Mm-hmm. I want to show people who are not signed because then you can get to deal with record labels. You do it, you know. I want to show the the rawness of these young people who are ministering the gospel through this method to their generation in a club setting because that's what we did we shot that concert in the club so when you see the uh, mic drop you're going to see these interviews from from these pioneers you're going to sponsor happening it's kind of like it's kind of like the show meets uh the defiant ones that's that's, that's the concept we, we came with we want to show the world and the culture and the history of christian hip-hop that is all about ministry you're being called and god will bless what you do if you stay stay uh, with what you're doing so we're excited, man. Warner is excited. They saw the new trailers. They saw the movie posters. They're like, wow, uh, yo, this is special. So it's, it's, it's going to be great. We're excited about it. So before before we, we wrap up this podcast, we, we talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, people in ministry, people who are making content. You have done a daunting task of making a entire film, going places, doing interviews. I, I believe you said it was a four-year process or it could have been longer. What advice would you give to the entrepreneur who wants to do uh, something big in ministry, but to not just to start, but what was the finishing factor for you to finish? Like, what would you tell them? Well, um, probably the most important thing that people overlook is that you have to invest in post production. Hmm. Most films don't make it because they run out of money because they spend most of their money on production. And they forget about post production. So when the when the camera is shut off and all the the shots are done, then they're looking for an editor. They're looking for a colorist. They're looking for someone to do the uh, the mixing and the composing. And most of the time, a lot of times, people don't have the money. We're just fortunate that I I'm a I'm a post production specialist. So I I've done post production for uh, over a decade now. So all of the editing I've done and I and I. Have great friends in the industry uh, that are colorists and, and composers and stuff. So I reached out to them. We have a budget for them. So I know what it takes to make a film in post production. I know what it takes to do it in production. So because the production, pre production, post production side and all the technical stuff that is involved in it, I know what it took, had to take financially to make it happen. And so that's where most of it falls off is that they, you know, plan financially for for to finalize or for the project to be finalized we're more excited about this to get a shot but once it's shot you need somebody to tell the story mm. and so invest into post-production I you know mean. most of the interviews i would say 90 percent of the interviews i did on my own flying from state to state and city to city because i knew what I, I you don't need a whole crew you just need your you need a nice camera you need a nice audio setup if you know how you need to know how to do lights, that's what a DP does. You got to know how to light it correctly, and once you do that, you're good. And so you need to invest your money into post production because that's where it's, that's where the story is really going to take place. And how can people reach you? Oh, they can reach me uh, IG at Darius West A R I U S W S. Reach me on Facebook, saying Darius West. Also, Mike Drop uh, Mike uh, on IG 
at my drop underscore the movie and also on facebook uh Mike Drop, the culture of Christian hip hop. So, and, there, I'm there. So, yeah. And Mike Drop, the is where you can watch the trailer. And when does it officially comes out? When when can people expect to see it? Uh, we're we're uh, we'll be announcing. It's already been announced. Email to all the people who RCP for the first premiere. Uh, but the premiere in Nashville is August 20th of this year. And so there'll be a whole social media blast about that. That'll be the first premiere. We're looking at doing at least two or three before the film is released. Uh, September, October type of uh, my uh, time frame. Awesome. Awesome. Make sure you go to MikeDropTheMovie.com. And if you are in the Nashville area, you can try to RSVP. We don't know if you'll get in or not, but I would try it if I were you. And if you have the means to fly to support this film, I say support it. Whenever you see Mike Drop the Movie, everybody support it. And when it comes out on digital platforms, everybody needs to download it. And when it does, you you know you're going to hear it here on the God Chases podcast. Darius, anything else you want to tell the people before? Before we get out of here, let's make this a movie number one on Netflix. Hey, <laughs> number one on that. We could yeah. do it. We could do it. We could do it. All around yeah. the world, every whatever country you're in, when it drops, this is the movie that you want to have streaming on all of your platforms. Yo, this your man Brinson. You got chasing the knob. Godchasers.com, baby. Make sure you subscribe to the Godchasers podcast.